We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hi, Christy. Hey there, Will. How are you? Welcome back. You missed a great one. Ugh, I If all of the ones for me to miss, I had to miss Kyla Pratt. Are you kidding me? Right. I know. And she was bummed. She was totally bummed. And she really? was. Yeah, well, because she was stuck with me, which is the worst thing ever. That's. That's not true. Everybody loves you. That's You're the awful. Best ever. But yeah, it was so cool. I mean, just talking to Disney royalty. She's, you know, proud family. I never. I was... Dude. And it's come back. And like she's she, I, re- I really am bummed that I missed that interview. Um, I did everything I could to try to make it happen. So. Oh, no, I know um, you did. You know, it, it's it, the, the po- it's the multiple podcast life that you have that you can relate to. Right. Will. which speaking of how's how's Podmeets world going? How is We're- it going? It's going really, really well. <laughs> Are you guys doing live ones too? Uh, yes, we've done one live show that went amazingly well. So I would say there's a very good chance that we'll be doing more would be the best well, way to Well, good. Put it. I want to come to those too. I, I, you should. We're so lucky that we know oh, some know. really great people, man. I know. And, and we know each other, which is good too. Yeah, I know. I love, I, I miss going to Comic-Cons with you. When's our next Comic-Con? I think like there's one coming up at some point. I think there's one coming up. It's one of those things now where Sue just has me, there's a giant calendar that is on our uh, table that is not allowed to be moved and everything's written in, in bright red ink. So smart. Uh, yeah, she's 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 taken over the here's what we're going to do. We're going to write everything in a big old calendar because oh, uh, my love brain it. can be a little scattered with that stuff. So I think it's in March, maybe. Awesome. Awesome. March, Sue is so cool. But until I see giant red letters saying you have to be here in March, I won't know for exactly. And so the contest is officially closed. Everybody, everybody out there. Wow, guy, that was like so quick. I feel like that happened so so quick. But we got a ton of submissions. We really do. So we are so excited and we are going to find the next big voice actor. Yeah. And we're not going to mention who, but um, some of the uh, guest judges that we already have signed on that are going to help us pick uh, are awesome. I can't wait. I mean, some of just the most talented people that have already said, oh, heck yeah, I will come and do an episode. So it's going to be so cool. I can't wait. I really can't. Me too. It's a fun podcast. And I think that the, a lot of the people that we've even 
if you if you've listened to our podcast in the past, a lot of times we'll be like, hey, would you come back? Because we have this like contest. And it's like everyone was more than happy to like, yeah. you know. So, uh, yeah, it's we are we are culling through them, but we cannot wait. That does not change the fact that until the contest starts, we are still meeting some of the most prolific, incredible voiceover actors in the history of the world. And today is no exception, Christy. Oh, my gosh. Very excited about Trevor Duvall. Yeah, I am too. I've known Trevor for a very long time. Uh, Trevor and I did Guardians of the Galaxy together. We'll get into that. But he's also does an amazing Emperor Palpatine. And he was uh, on My Little Pony. He's on F is for Family. I mean, this is a he's also a big nerd. I know. Uh, I was going to say, I saw his yeah. YouTube, um, yeah. which is uh, about D&D, right? D&D. It's D&D it's, it's, it's and it's all tabletop games. He's got a, a great channel we'll get into that's called Me, Myself, and Die. And uh, yeah, there's some great stuff. So let's get into this with Mr. Trevor DeVal. Hello. Hey. Wow. Oh now that God. is a sexy set you got set up. Well, I'm. What can I say? I'm a sexy background looking kind of guy. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Nice to meet you. Nice to be met. <laughs> I uh, I would say the foreground's pretty sexy, Trevor. But well, what are you gonna do? Oh, you. Um, <laughs> How are you? I'm, I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad that we are are able to do this. We've been going back and forth about when to have you on, and I think the time is pretty perfect. If I'm I, honest, totally. the time is nigh. The time is nigh. So we okay. So uh, a little bit about our show. We talk just about religion and politics. Mm-hmm. Hey. Two of my um, favorite topics. <laughs> we talk about voiceover, and that's something that you are pretty darn good at, but had a, a different road than a lot of people. Can you tell us how you got into VO? Uh, well, do you know the term blackmail and extortion? Have you heard of these two things? <laughs> I have. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how did I get into voiceover? Um, uh, okay. Well, when I was about five years old, my older brother, Mike, used to do this impression of uh, Jackie Stewart, who was a Scottish race car commentator back in the day. He used to be a driver, but he had turned into a, a commentator. And his entire thing was he'd be very excitable, right? So, I mean, commentating on the race. And, of course, in those days, the races were just cars going round and round and round and round in circles, uh, much as they are today, as a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> Funny about that. <laughs> Funny, yes. That's still the same. Uh, anyway, so uh, it, it, what would invariably happen is that one of the cars would blow a tire, spin out, hit the wall, and explode. And so as Jackie was, you know, uh, uh, talking about this, he get very excited. Oh, no, look at car 43 is coming around the band. He's looking good. Oh, no, oh, no, he's hit the wall and he bursts into flames. And that was a big thing. It burst into flames. And so he would, my brother would do this thing around the dinner table where he'd have like, He'd say, hey, pass the, the ketchup and mustard. And so pass ketchup and he'd say, oh, it's a great day for a race today. We've got ketchup and mustard. Oh, look at this ketchup pools out in front. And he'd do this whole thing. And then, oh, no, the mustard hits the wall and bursts into flames. So <laughs> everyone, oh, no. And I saw this and I saw everybody laughing at this silly voice. And I thought, hey, it's my gateway to total power and domination. So <laughs> one day I just kind of did the punchline when he was doing the setup and everyone, oh, and I thought, oh, perhaps I could do something with this. And uh, yeah, so I just started doing voices and accents and stuff. But it wasn't for years and years and years, years later that I realized it could be, a, you know, a, a job. Yeah. 
Well, you're also in Canada, so there's not a lot of opportunity for jobs in well, Canada. Well, there was in Vancouver. I was living in Edmonton at the time, which was the big, the, the theatrical capital of the Western uh, hemisphere of the country, as it is being. But uh, it, I, I was a filmmaker at the time as well, a director. So I went to Vancouver because that was Hollywood North. And uh, Hollywood that was, North. That's, that's what they called it. That's and, what they call uh, it. Yeah, because I mean, especially at that time, man, because that was the days of the X Files, and it, like everything yeah, right. was being shot up there, you know. And you we shot the, there, right? Will you shot? Um, oh yeah, sure. H- Disney, yeah. Disney would always do whenever we did a Disney movie. It would be like, "Hey, you're shooting a movie that takes place half a mile from your house. Let's go to Vancouver." Yes. Uh, <laughs> so that's pretty much what you would do. Yeah, Vancouver or Toronto. Yeah. So so we had uh, there, there was a, there was a big animation industry there, um, and so I I went and I didn't even think because i went there to be a, a filmmaker a director and within six months i had sort of fallen backwards into this strange world where people were talking to each other in silly voices and doing things and that was that and that was 22 <laughs> years ago so that sounds like you were inspired by a lot of the folks around you at that time well uh, no <laughs> <laughs> uh, well okay so the, the thing is is that you know i grew up you know like a lot of people my age i grew up you know watching uh you know bugs bunny and of course all that stuff was great and but i didn't actually think that voiceover for cartoons was was a thing this is how de- this is how dim i am when someone said to me, a friend of mine said to me, when I moved to Vancouver, he said to me, you know, you should get into voiceover. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, like cartoon voices and stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, those are actors. <laughs> those are actors. You know, the next thing I thought was, in, and and this cartoon was, you know, drawn in front of a live studio audience. I'm just, <laughs> I didn't, didn't quite make the connection there. Yeah, their started, their hands get very tired very quickly when they have to draw live. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but when I started to work, what I discovered was the same thing I would go on to discover in L.A. In that it's a very tiny little community of very dedicated, kooky people who love their jobs and they take their jobs seriously, but they don't take themselves particularly seriously, and that mm-hmm. made me so happy. Um, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so in that sense, I was inspired by the people I worked with immediately. It was it was uh, yeah, it was a great world to be part of. Now, was that when when you started VO, was that it? Were you like, this is it, this is what I'm doing? Or were you still saying, hey, VO is great and this will be awesome until my acting and directing career takes off? When I did my first job, it was <clears throat> September of 2020 and it was with Sue Blue. She was my first director. And uh, it, it was- wait, a, it can't uh, be 2020, it can't be September No, sorry, so what I'm saying, 2000, 2000. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say, yeah. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Two, <laughs> you and I did a show together before yeah, that. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I didn't even realize I was- that's how t- there it is. That's the brain <laughs> no longer works. Um, and it was 2000. <laughs> and it was soup. And uh, it was a great thing. We did like 26 episodes in three months. It was like, pop, 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 get them out. And the show never made it to air because they ran out of funding, which kind of sucks because it was really cool. Mm. But up in Canada, we were paid with a buyout system. So we got we got all the money up front. So that actually worked out. Nice. Yeah, exactly. That's why they couldn't afford the show. They had to pay us. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) anyway, we did the show and the whole time I thought, okay, well, this is great. That's more money than I've ever seen in my life before. Uh, I'm going to pay off my big student loan, which I had, and that'll be that. I'm going to keep a little for a rainy day and assume that this will never happen again because it probably won't. Yeah. And then the next week they said, hey, you're on another show. And I went, okay, well, this will never happen again. (laughs) And then, hey, you want to do this other show? Okay, but this (laughs) will never happen. And to this day, when I get a job, I'm still, well, this is nice, 
but it's never going to happen again. That's such an actor thing. We still always do that. We're doing, we're, we're, I remember, so Trevor and I did uh, Guardians of the Galaxy together and he was Rocket and I was uh, uh, Star-Lord. And we would look at each other even by second and third season and be like, eh, this show's not going to go. <laughs> it's like, wait, it's been on the air for two years. Yeah, no, this this isn't going anywhere. Oh, I mean, that's no, just you guys. Like, such an actor thing. I mean, it's every actor has imposter syndrome. Every actor is completely and totally insecure about themselves and their career. And if you meet an actor that's like, I'm going to work all the time, you're like, you are not really in this business, are you? Um, because you yeah. just don't. You don't meet yeah. those people ever. I was I was in a I was in a bar, a pub after a session this many years ago back in Vancouver. And there was a, a colleague of mine who shall remain nameless, who was sitting there at the bar with me. And we were just coming off the high of having this great session and you know playing multiple characters blah 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 and he said you know right now how everything's great we're all on like six shows you and i right now this it's never gonna get this is it's just gonna keep getting better and better and i was like no don't <laughs> say that are you out of your mind they're listening every time every time i'm in the car with my wife and she's like wow no traffic i'm like are you kidding me what are you doing what are you it's not gonna rain on our picnic day what are you thinking don't think they're listening they're you're absolutely right they're listening like many of us you might think identity theft will never happen to you but consider this there's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the u.s that's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit healthlock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's healthlock.com. 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You mentioned uh, Bugs Bunny and stuff like that. So having kind of fallen into the voiceover side of the industry, were you not a huge animation fan growing up? Well, no. I mean, like I said, I, I loved Bugs Bunny, uh, but it didn't really occur to me that this was... I, the, the cartoons that I watched as a kid, Bugs Bunny, uh, 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 what the hell was it? Battle of the Planets, which was the the anime thing that was a ripoff of... Uh, Something I don't know. We was some gotcha something you got or something. in Canada. <laughs> well, it was it was some giant Japanese anime that they that they turned into a different version called Battle of the Planets, and I, I watched that T- today. By the way, it's unwatchable. We actually, it's, I'm sure, we, we we're like let's check this out and see if it holds up. No, it, <laughs> no, it doesn't hold up. No, but that or like uh, like um uh the, the old Spider Man cartoon that like yeah. Baxi did and stuff like that stuff. I love that stuff, but it. I didn't really watch a lot of cartoons as a kid. I was I was too busy playing with my toys and giving them my own voices. You know, I didn't. It oh, didn't, interesting. Yeah. So it it um, I didn't I I didn't know it was a job. Like I honestly didn't know it was a career <laughs> choice. It didn't even occur to me. Honestly, doing voices was a way to try and impress girls at parties, which was only marginally successful. So I was going to say the, you went to way different parties than I did. Uh, <laughs> I can only apologize in so many dialects. <laughs> That's so can, funny, Will. Can you remember the first voice you ever did? Yes. Oh, you the first voice I ever did? Or yeah. When you, even as a kid. No, the first voice you ever did as a kid. Do you remember Wasn't what the race you started? Car driver? Yeah. It, it might have been. It might have been the Scottish because yeah. I know that that accent has. It's certainly the first one I ever learned. And uh, to this day, like when I when I book a job with that accent, I'm just there's there's a part of me that's like, oh, thanks, bro. He's he's passed on now, so it's a little like, thanks, Mike. Oh, <laughs> uh, so you know. Sweet. That was the thing that always amazed me about you was so and this is a perfect example of talking about the different kind of aspects of the voiceover world, because there are people we've talked about how somebody like me, for instance, uh, or Christy, uh, we we don't do 50 voices. We just can't do 50 voices. We'll never do 50 voices. It's just not in our DNA. And then there's some actors that can do 50 sounds, 50 cartoon voices, make it sound like, you know, they're robots or whatever. And then there's actors like you that can do a little bit of everything. But then when it comes to dialects, you can kind of do them all. Wow. So was there was that something that you gravitated towards was was listening to other people's voices and kind of trying to mimic them? Because it's not necessarily the same as doing a cartoon voice, quote unquote. You're not going in going, hey, how's everybody go? 
it's more like you're doing a real Scottish thing. And the thing that I love is I would always do it next to you and it would go about 30 seconds and you go, please, please stop doing that. Please, no. <laughs> please, please stop. It's not there. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I am Irish. You're like, oh God, please, please, please cut it out. Please stop. So where did the dialects come from? Um, it is a, a bit of imitation, uh, a, a but also growing up in Canada, I was just talking about this with a colleague of mine the other day. Growing up in Canada, we were exposed to a lot of British programming, the BBC in particular. So I grew up with BBC News One, and I grew up with Monty Python, and I grew up with all of that stuff. So those accents were prevalent in my childhood. I just heard them all the time. And they were easy and fun to imitate. And you know, when you when you're exposed to a dialect at a very young age, obviously you develop an ear for it and you can, you know, sometimes you don't even know you're doing it. Uh, but whereas a lot of American friends of mine, they don't have that same experience, you know, uh, sure. because everything was was about American stuff and American dialect. So I think I think that helped me. But, yeah, it's weird because. I can't describe how like I can't teach a dialect. I couldn't say, oh, this is how you do dialect X. I just it just kind of comes to me. Well, I mean, Will, you remember the story where we were at. Um, uh, so for me, the, the the South African accent was always this holy grail of accents. It was like, oh, so that, hard. It's such a weird one. Right. And it's like it combinations so of different sounds. And I just yeah. like I'm never going to be able to get that one. And then one day I'm doing my laundry and I'm hanging my shirts to dry because I, I, I don't want to shrink them. So I <laughs> hang them to dry. And as I'm doing that, I'm talking to them because, of course, I am. And uh, then I realized that I'm talking to them in a Johannesburg accent. And I was like, Ooh. How did this happen, right? I'm hanging the wash right now. What are you doing up here? You missed a shirt. Look at you hanging there like this. And I was like, what the hell? So I went to session the next day and we were in the in the booth and I started to talk to everybody like this, you know, like it just all of a sudden came, came to me from on high or something like that. And then Harrison, the producer, yeah. came and said, do you do that accent? I said, I, I guess so. And then <laughs> they cast me as Claw in Avengers, just like yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but the, yeah, that is the joy of our business is you sit there in the room and like you said, everyone's not taking themselves very seriously. So you're just messing around with each other and these other accents or voices or something pop out. And then a producer in the room or a director goes, that's perfect for something else. And then you're on another job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we said so Kim Possible when we were doing Kim Possible, John DiMaggio, who was Draken, was always doing these big Mr. Draken, you know, Dr. Draken. Oh, she got and all this kind of stuff. And then he just started doing this rock and roll guy. And the next week they had written this guy named Motor Ed. And that's the voice he did. And it was just something they came up with in the room. And it's just that happens almost nowhere else in the industry where you're not in the middle of shooting a film. And all of a sudden you're like doing another character while you're doing the film. They're like, hey, we're going to write another <laughs> film true. for you. I mean, that just never happens. It only happens in in the voiceover industry where it's just all creatively driven. Yeah. Well, let me so, ask you this as the actor. Like, and especially this is coming from somebody who doesn't do 50 voices, but I've definitely done voice matching. I, I have a few dialects, but nothing like you, sir, Sir Trevor. Um, but <laughs> We've knighted you. <laughs> does it, yes, I've certainly knighted you. Does it behoove you as the actor to be playful and kind of almost like showcase these aspects of your talent to producers in the room? And like, kind of like, like you're saying, like you walked in and you did that. This is also for our fans in case they want to just experiment in different ways. 
Yeah, I think that's crucial. Uh, it, it, it's it's crucial to constantly have a sense of playfulness about it. The trick is, of course, not pushing it too far and become irritating. You know, it's a balance. It's a balance. It's a fine okay. balance. Because there, there are moments, and we've all been in these rooms where there's that point where an actor has gone too far, and it's like, all right, we got it. You you can do this silly voice. We got it, dude. Let's Penguins of Madagascar, 100% when I was in that room. We've all talked about it. Lisa Schaefer's talked about it. Those guys are crazy. I love them. They're crazy. Well, yeah, it, you were in between. It was like, it was Jeff Bennett, Rob Paulson, John DiMaggio. And ev- and eventually you just you just sit back and go, okay, this four-hour session is now going to be nine hours because right. Right. they're just going to go at it. And it's hysterical and amazing and too long a session. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is what and, there's, and there's things you learn too like when you walk into a room full of voice guys you there's certain things you don't do because you know it's like throwing red meat into the room like you know back in the old days if you did uh, a Shatner thing oh my god now everybody in the room is Shatnering to each other consistently doing the whole thing the time, and you're like no or with the, you know, Sean Connery as well I never all of a sudden everybody's doing this Sean Connery for 10 minutes and it's like just stop throwing the red meat into the room yes, just get the true. job done I remember one session where every single person in the room for like an hour was just doing Eddie Deason. Oh, wow. And it was just over and over doing your Eddie Deason. It was like, okay, all right, all right, we're good. Can we get back to Transformers or whatever we're actually actually recording here? It was really bad in 2016, remember, because everybody was doing the Trump. Everybody was doing Trump. And I remember, who was was the tech over at... uh, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he was he was one of the regular technicians. And, you know, somebody had done the thing, opened the thing. And he said, great. Another Trump impression. I've never heard that before. And it was oh, just no. like this. Yeah, I guess we should. Just, <laughs> he just sucks the life out of you. Like, okay, sorry. What well, it is, it's you're the guy in 2003 walking into a room going, what's up? Right. It's like, right. okay, we, we did that. 97. We're good. Yes. Thank you. Uh, oh, my. Okay. So we were talking before you came on about uh, everything you've been doing, obviously, and the assortment of, of work you've done. One of the coolest things that you got a chance to do, and I want to talk a little bit about it because it is such a world that once you're in, you're in, is Star Wars. Ah. So can you tell us what it was like to to enter the world of Star Wars, which apparently was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away? <laughs> oh, stop. Yeah. If you believe the propaganda, anyway. Uh, yeah, so my first foray into the Star Wars universe as a, as a voice actor was for Lego. And it was a, a project when I was still back in Vancouver called the Yoda Chronicles, which was a series um, that was kind of set in the prequel era, but it was a comedy version of it with all the Lego characters. And they were casting for, you know, how they'll they'll send out sides and it'll, you know, it, it shows like, this is, you know, King Joe, but we all know, okay, this is Emperor Palpatine. We hear Exactly, yeah. But okay, so I'm hearing, and then you hear the ref, and you're like, okay, all right, I get it. Code names, this secret Star Wars. <laughs> so I did the auditions for a bunch of them, Obi Wan and and stuff like that. And eventually, they they called and said, well, you're going to be Emperor Palpatine. And I was like, oh wow, that's that that's kind of Mike. And like the the eight year old in me was going, oh, yeah. But uh, we went into session, and I very quickly realized that this was the comedy version. It was written by Michael Price, who is a Simpsons writer, and it was gone on to become one of my good friends, actually. He's also the producer of F is for Family, which is a, a big show that he brought me in on uh, several years back with Bill Burr and and, and yeah. 
But this is the first time I'd met him and he was a Simpsons writer and he was also a massive Star Wars fan. And you could tell because in the script, there was all these little Easter eggs that only true fans would get. And I recognized that immediately. I went, oh, this guy knows his stuff. This guy knows his Star Wars. <laughs> so when I started coming in, you know, I remember the first day we all came in and, and you know, I was trying to do the, the Emperor Palpatine thing very seriously, Lord Vader, right? Uh, but gradually it turned into, oh, wait a minute, this is supposed to be kind of uh, playful. Uh, yes, okay. And then my Palpatine became a cross between Mark Hamill's Joker and Stewie Griffin. Hey, look at me, silly. Yes, yes, Lord Vader, get out of my face, you. <laughs> anyway, so he quickly, he quickly became this like total favorite. And the producers kept going, we need to bring you back. And so they would write all these specials where Palpatine would just show up. And I'm like, but he's like dead. <laughs> nah, it doesn't matter. I'm like, that's not canon. That's like non-Star Wars canon. <laughs> exactly. So it was, it was tremendous, man. We did, I did a whole bunch of series. And then when I got to LA, we did the Freemaker Adventures, which was another series. And then I did a whole bunch of these specials and there's still stuff going on, which of course I can't talk about, but there's of still course. stuff with that. And it was just, for me, it was just this wonderful opportunity to, to be a kid again, because I, because I'm also like Admiral Akbar, and I was Boba Fett and I was Jar Jar Binks and I was all of these characters. And I'm like, this is kind of the coolest thing ever. I got to say. Is this your highlight, <laughs> would you say? Is this yeah, like your certainly. favorite job? Okay. Definitely one of them. Definitely one of the highlights of my career for sure was to be able to. Uh, now, what what did you do with Jar Jar? I got to ask what you did with Jar Jar. Oh, you know, just the usual. You know, that stuff. It's just the usual Jar Jar. Stuff. The most popular character in the history of Star yes. Wars. Well, he can, Jar Jar Binks. There's a there's a joke in one of the series we do where. He shows up and says, I'm and then he immediately gets like kicked off screen or something. And as he's flying out of the shot, his line is, uh, Misa thought I'd be in this show much longer. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, you have to with Jar Jar. It's terrible. Oh my. Jar, oh my. Okay. So justice for Jar Jar. Just <laughs> hashtag justice for Jar Jar. That's the hashtag of the day. Thank you, Christy. You're welcome. So you, you said that's kind of fulfilling an eight-year-old dream. Other than that, then, if you get to play, you can play anybody you want, any character you want to do, what's the ultimate character that you haven't had a chance to play at? Or even you have. I mean, maybe, you, maybe you've played the character you wanted to play. Oh, boy. Um, <clears throat> I've, I've been lucky. You know, uh, I've been given opportunities to play pretty big characters that even at the time I didn't know were big characters. Like honestly, when we started doing guardians, yeah, it's cast as rocket. I, I didn't know anything about the Guardians. I don't think anybody knew anything about the guardians of the galaxy at the time. It was this weird, obscure thing that, you know, James Gunn brought to life because of the movie. But I remember when we were recording the show, or I was auditioning for the show for our show. The trailer came out shortly after my audition and my friend, Sam, he showed me this trailer and I was like, Oh, this is a big deal. <laughs> Oh my God, this is a, look at this. This is a real thing. And so when we started doing the show and I realized that, you know, the rocket raccoon was becoming this cultural phenomenon of the time. <laughs> I thought this is, this is a, this is a pretty big privilege to be in this room. And not only just to be playing that character, but be in the room with you guys as well. Obviously that was, cause that was my first big uh, group show in, in LA. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd done a bunch of stuff up to that point, but that was the first time that I really got a chance to like dive in with, with uh, you folks, so it was a it was a big deal. Well, that was I mean that was a fun cast. Is there yeah. a different tone in working in animation in in Canada than there is in Hollywood? No, it's the same thing. It's uh, it's same kind of people. 
Yeah, exact same. It's, what do you it, think that is? What do you well, they're way more is? polite in Canada, aren't they? Yeah, yeah well, that's the illusion. That's the illusion. <laughs> Uh, they are, they are the exact same kind of people. You could put the Canadian voice actors and the American voice actors in a room and the same. They're, 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 like I said, they're people who are really, really good at their jobs, but they don't take themselves particularly seriously. They take the work seriously, but not themselves. And so it's great. Yeah, totally, man. And that's like, that's why I never really got on with the, the on camera side of thing. One of the reasons is I never liked the world. The world to me was always very judgy and, and and selfish and blech. And in VO, it wasn't that at all. It was yeah. just, you know. So empowering. Uh, and yeah. It's also just so of- much more conducive to creativity. That's the thing. I mean, the, the, the on-camera world, there's times where it is, but it's rare. It's rare yeah. that, I mean, it's more, you've got to be the actor and you've got, and whereas you don't get to play. You don't get to play nearly as much. And so many creative things, we've talked about that, have come out of just a play that happens in the room. Yeah. Uh, that it does. It just takes it to an entirely new level. So, yeah. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors so you pay only what you owe you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills to date HealthLock has helped its members save over 130 million dollars bottom line insurance alone isn't enough to save visit healthlock.com do it today before you see another health care provider that's healthlock.com Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon, 
Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of Melon Leaf stem cell technology. It's Melon Leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Trevor, forgive forgive this question, but you said there was a lot of time in between, you know, you realizing that you enjoyed voices to when you made it a career. What were you doing in that time frame? I was a theater guy uh, mm-hmm. for a long time. And I went to university at the University of Alberta and I became a theater director. And that's how I became uh, a filmmaker as well, as I was moving very much into the directing side of things. It was very successful. Everything was going great. And like I said, when I went to Vancouver in 98, it was to be, to work on the sets. I had friends that were, you know, uh, production designers and stuff like that. And so I went thinking this is what I was going to do. And I was going to work my way up through the uh, director's guild and, and do that whole thing. But when I got there, uh, like I said, a friend of mine from back home, had said, you should, you should do voice work. And I, I was like, I don't even, I don't even know what that means. So I, I, I said to my agent, uh, you know, I do these voices and accents and stuff. Is there, is there anything we can do with that? And he said, he gave me the speech that a lot of, a lot of agents give a lot of actors, which is true, but you know, he said, well, you know, the thing about the voice world is that you have to be, uh, you have to be extremely versatile. You have to be the best in the world. You have to be blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, well, yeah. Uh-huh. So I went home back to Edmonton for Christmas or something. And I knew guys that worked at the campus radio station. And I thought, I'm going to put together a demo. I didn't even know what a demo was. I just thought <laughs> I'm just going to spew a bunch of nonsense into a microphone and see what happens. So I, I go in there and my, my friend Jay, who's like, yeah, we'll get you in the booth. You record whatever you want. Ah, it should be good. <laughs> I went in there and I literally 15 minutes of just blah, 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 doing stuff. 15 minutes long. No edits. Of course. Why would you edit? <laughs> and, so, and so I brought this tape back to my agent. I was like, you mean like this? And he listened to it. The whole thing. Good on wow, him. Wow, good agent. Good, him. good agent. Yeah. And he said, well, it's a little long, uh, but he said, I, I think you might have what it takes. And so he got me an audition <clears throat> for a show called um, Spider-Man uh, for the role <laughs> of um, Spider-Man. <laughs> and I was so green. Never I heard of it. Never heard of it. And uh, I was so green. I didn't know to put the headphones in the booth so I could hear the director on the other side. I knew nothing. Of, and so it was a disaster. But luckily, a month after that, I got an audition for this show called The Lost Continent, which I booked. And that was the one that we did 26 episodes in three months. And, and I was off to the races. Oh, so your second audition. You booked yeah. the series regular. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah I was. I, I've been lucky. <laughs> I've been oh, lucky. talented, man. Hey, side note. Um, Trevor, I w- I got married in Banff. Oh, okay, that's my home province of Banff. Yes, oh, Alberta. Banff's I Indian. love, I love, I love it there, and I can't wait. We're gonna go back there next year um, yeah, for our great. ten year anniversary. Nice. So. Yeah. I uh, uh, side note, I I sometimes shop at Albertsons. Oh well, that's close enough. Um, so very s- very similar uh, kind of notes. stuff. Um, okay, so I I want to eventually get into your geekdom, uh, your nerddom, because uh, that's one of the things that you and I have always bonded over. But before we do that, there's something very interesting because you you have kind of an interesting perspective that I'd like to talk to you about. Because um, a lot of people that listen yeah. to our show are you know 
amateur or wannabe, that's the wrong way to say it, but voiceover actors. So they're kind of looking for direction and, you know, what, what they can do and different things they can learn and different techniques. And one of the things that I'm, we're trying to impart to them is that you no longer need to be in Los Angeles or need to be in New York or need to be mm. in one of the meccas of voiceover. And you in the last couple of years, I, I would argue at the height of your voiceover career, you up and moved out of Hollywood. And I'm wondering how that has affected the work, uh, the the record. I mean, just kind of basically your career. Has, has there been any negative to saying, hey, you know what? I'm out of Hollywood and I'm going to go do my own thing. Uh, yes, there has been a, a negative aspect of it, but it, it doesn't have anything to do necessarily with the move out of state. It was more the fact that when the pandemic came and we were all suddenly relegated to our home studios and a lot of people had to build home studios, you know, luckily I already had one. So I was, I was set for that. But what I, what I realized was that the thing I love the most about the job was gone forever. Because what I love most about the job is being in the room with my fellow cast members and in between takes, those moments of trying to make a joke so that you can't do your next take because you're still laughing at the previous joke. That was that that was my favorite. So that's how unprofessional I am. My favorite part of the job <laughs> is screwing up the job for others. So, uh, that's but, hilarious. But, uh, but I realized that that really was that camaraderie, that that sense of family, which you really do have yeah. in our world uh, that's gone and will it ever come back i don't know there's a lot of there's a lot of directors that we both know very well who have suggested that nah it's not ever going to come back because the diaspora happened right where uh i looked around in 2021 and went oh i'm like one of three voice actors left and <laughs> like everybody just vanished yeah. uh, my own agent said to me too as well it doesn't it doesn't matter where you live now the caveat to that is that it doesn't matter where i live because I'm an established voice actor. Right, right. Okay. I, I honestly couldn't tell you if you were new and, and and starting out in this, whether or not it behooves you to live in the place. I suspect not anymore because yeah. now everybody's so used to the remote records and certainly the remote, remote auditions. I mean, that's been a thing for a long time. There was a time when you had to go into a studio to do an audition. You know, that was the time when you saw a lot of these other actors as well. Yeah, uh, but that's long gone. So I don't know what the advantage is of someone actually saying, well, you know, I should really move to L.A. to get into the scene. You know, so much of our world is about who, you know, and it's about your 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 network and your your contacts and your friends and your colleagues. I think it would be way harder to do that now that you're never actually in the same physical location as a person because you don't get that human bond. Right. Yeah. So. I think it's going to be harder for people to break in because of that. Um, but it's also just the way it is. So, yeah. uh, you know, I would say embrace the fact that this is the new technology, right? This is the new way and work within those work within those parameters to try and maximize your chances, which just means always make sure you're committing to the character. You're making interesting choices. You're being consistent, you know, all that actorly stuff, right? That's so great. Actorly stuff. Actorly. You were good at taking no, regular no, words no, and making them adverbs. You were always good at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's really good advice. I think that's true, unfortunately, too. I know that during the pandemic, I still went into the studio every time. Other than the times I went to your studio. Right. <laughs> um, I, I, I did. I would go into the studio and 
just be by myself because I still needed the vibe of the studio, but it still wasn't the same. So I, I'm still hoping it's going to come back, but you're right. So many people are so scattered to the wind that even if it does come back, what 50% of the cast that you're normally with are, are still going to be in the right. room. Everybody else is gone. Right. And honestly, I think that's going to be the future. I think it's going to be a hybridization of, of sessions. You're going to have half the people in the room, half the people remote or half the people just recording by themselves. So yeah, it's yeah. going to be a much lonelier experience, I think, than what it was, which is a real shame. But it's just three years of, of producers and technicians getting used to this setup and producers love it because they don't have to leave the house. Yeah. Right. And it's cheaper so, in the long run. I mean, you're not in the long run. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the odds of us going back to the way it was, because you know, I was a, that was a big concern of mine when I did move. I was like, well, what if it what if it goes back? What if it goes back? But I thought, eh, I'll be all right. Let me yeah. ask you this. Do you think that you've actually gotten better over the years by being like, did you grow more as an, a voice actor when you were with other people 100%. in the room? 100%. Okay. If for no other reason, then you can immediately steal their best stuff and, and torture <laughs> it into a new version. <laughs> <laughs> so you're basically much. just doing Kevin, Kevin Michael Richardson over and over and over. Right, right. right. Because, but, but it, I mean, you, you, you asked me if I was inspired by people. Around. You know, I, I have so many sort of stock characters that, that immediately come out now, which are just blatant ripoffs of stuff I've seen my colleagues do. Like, I have this sort of old man that I do now. And that is a complete ripoff of my friend Brian Drummond's, a very successful Vancouver voice actor who, who did that once. And I was like, that's awesome. I need to make it mine. <laughs> and now, of course, it evolves into its own thing so it yeah. doesn't sound anything like his but that's the beauty of it right now we can both the two old men and they don't sound anything alike <laughs> anyway yes theft is good is what i'm saying by the way yes. you both live like that's an hour from each other you guys live like an hour from each other i think so it's no big Ooh. deal you guys stop what? it you're in texas yeah i'm in san antonio Stop! I'm in I'm in Austin. Oh well, I could spin at your house. How you been doing? <laughs> I'll tell you, I love it down here. I gotta say, man, it's great. <laughs> Not that there's a whole lot of people that actually sound like this. You gotta you go you gotta go hunting for them, but they do exist. Every they now do. And you now. gotta go. You gotta go to West Texas, or yeah. you gotta go. Yeah, you gotta go in the. Mm. So Austin, Austin is an interesting place to live. How? how Why did you pick here? Uh, from Canada. Well, again, with the whole pandemic madness that was happening, there was at one point there was the 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 choice to perhaps go home, right, to go back to Canada. But I just didn't think I didn't think that was the right choice because I wasn't done with the American experience yet. And then I wound up getting my citizenship. So I was like, well, now I can come and go as I please because I had the green card before, which means you had to live in the country. But now as a U.S. Yeah. citizen, ironically, now I'm a citizen. I can say goodbye <laughs> if I want. Uh so there was that thought, but I just thought uh, it, it, it wasn't viable for some reason. So it was like, okay, well, I got to get out of California for, again, a number of reasons. But the three states that were discussed were Texas, Tennessee, and Florida. I had never been to Florida. I had never been to Tennessee, but I had been to Texas. And I have a sister in Katy, which is West Houston, yep. which is yep. not very far from here. Uh, and then we've had friends in Dallas. I didn't want to go to Dallas because I just don't like the big concrete jungle of Dallas. Very, yeah, it's basically L.A. Yeah, right. And uh, I didn't want to go to Houston 
for much the same reason. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to go to Austin because Austin really is LA in many, many, no, many. It's <laughs> oh, yes, it oh, yes, no, it's not. In fact, Austin is so LA. It's it's all the LA-ness that I was seeking to flee. No! Oh, man, I feel so hey. called out right now. Oh, Austin's fun to visit, man. I love going there for four hours. And then I get oh, to go home. God. It's like you Vegas. stabbed me in the heart. You stabbed me in the heart. San Antonio is beautiful, though. I'm excited to come and visit for sure. It's good. And you know what? It's boring. And I love that. Feel that. So boring here. It's great. People are just, they don't do anything. They're just sitting around being nice to each other, eating great Mexican food. It's the best yeah. thing ever. It sounds pretty marvelous. Nice. Oh, oh yeah, my. All right. So I'm known as a bit of a nerd. And I thought I was a nerd until I really started talking to you. And then I realized, oh, man, if if the nerd, if there was military ranks in nerddom, I was like maybe a lieutenant if I was an officer. And sir, yes, sir, you are up there as as an absolute colonel or a general. Um, when did you start your well, first of all, it's you're mostly tabletop, correct? Yes. And so when did you find your nerddom? Where did you start your nerddom? And what's your favorite nerddom right now? Well, I, I played my first game of Dungeons and Dragons when I was yes. seven years old uh, with a friend down the street, Jason Peters. And he introduced me to this world, which I immediately just went <sighs> because I was also a huge Tolkien fan. You know, my yeah. sister read me The Lord of the Rings every night to go to sleep while I was very, very young. So yes, we fought, we fought about those books several times. We have, we have, <laughs> but, but the D and D experience was just something that immediately captured my imagination and I fell head over heels in love with it. Uh, and that just went on and on and on. But in the eighties, when I was going through high school and such, it was not exactly cool you no. didn't talk about it in fact we never publicly discussed the game we didn't even call it dnd &D. we called it the game it was oh a, man that's game. dirty oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah 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 you i remember there was this one moment where we had all got this group of girlfriends all at roughly the same time and we're all in in my friend uh, trevor legault's uh basement and we're playing this game and all of a sudden the girls all on mass, decide to do the pop in, the pop in, Jerry. They did the pop in, and we were like, "Oh my god!" And our first thought wasn't, "Hey, let's introduce these girls to this thing." It was, "No, cover the stuff, hide the stuff. We don't no. want to know about the game." Ridiculous, right? And then cut to like twenty years later, thirty years later. Well, now everybody and their and their grandma is playing D and D, and it's the it's all what all the cool kids are doing. And I'm like, "No, you people have no idea." Suffer. <laughs> <laughs> I so, did. By the time I found D&D, it was really, really cool. Fantasy novels I found very early and comic right. books I found very early. But D&D I didn't find until it was awesome. See, that's uh, fascinating to me that you were a big fantasy kid and never somehow no. found the road to D&D. And my brother played. Terrible. My brother played, too. So Maybe. it made, wow, yeah, it made no that. sense. Yeah, no, it made no sense. I painted minis uh, slightly because it was, you know, it was a direct kind of correlation to the um uh, uh uh model cars that my brothers used to build so right. all the the tester paint like all that kind of stuff where it was basically 90 percent lead uh that kind of paint that stuff <laughs> we i was into that stuff as a kid um but uh yeah never found dnd &D until much later obviously and then you and i started talking about all this stuff and then you kind of introduced me to warhammer and some of the other uh really cool 
just systems that are out there. Oh, uh, but well, you're so still it's playing. Not just D and D. You're saying oh, there's other tabletops. Oh, oh, there are. Oh, I, oh, so man. I have this YouTube channel called Meet Myself and Die. That's which, what I was going to get into. One of one of the things I do is this is this series called The Sages Library, which is me talking about my experiences with the literally hundreds of games I have in my library. Because D and D is but the starter set. I'm afraid it it is but the introduction to a much wider world. And and <laughs> I. And I really want people to understand that there are so many options out there for them to try all kinds of genres and styles and systems and the whole bit. Because uh, I have a big passion for it. <laughs> for some reason, I have a big passion for the fantasy role playing. <laughs> <laughs> what are you playing right now? Uh, like five different things. I'm uh, I'm running a Vampire the Masquerade game with the guys in my local group down here, which is awesome vampires awesome. and the masquerade game. vampire the masquerade yes where you play vampires in a modern day setting and it's awesome because it's all about politics it's basically you take Anne rice and game of thrones and mash them together and that's what you get it's so wow yeah. and so this is this the thing that's taking up most of your time right now uh, well, the channel, the the channel, because I'm doing I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff on the channel right now. I, like I said, I do the Sages Library. I have my main show where I play all these characters. But so so solo role playing is the thing that I got into for the channel, yeah. which was a total gimmick. I was like, because Will, you and I were talking about, you know, well maybe we'll do like a critical role thing. We'll get some, you know, and we had sort of oh, several that'd attempts be to make so that fun happen. With you guys. Well, we we got pretty we tried. far along, yeah, yeah, and yeah. just scheduling and such didn't work. So finally, I thought, you know what? I think I'm just going to do this myself. I'm going to play all the characters. And so I did. And I started this thing. And all of a sudden, out of the woodwork, these people on YouTube were going, yes, I've been playing solo for some time now. We have <laughs> a basement with no friends. And we, I'm like, what? I, but no, this is just a joke. What are you? What? But it turns out there's this huge community, and especially in the pandemic. When yeah, sure. Now they couldn't go over to their friend's house to play. So they and there's whole new systems where you just, you know, you play by yourself, essentially. So I started doing, I did like, I don't know, 70 episodes of like three different seasons worth all following wow. the same characters. And uh, right now I'm doing this tabletop mini adventure game called uh, Five Parsecs from Home, which is a sci-fi, you know, battle game, but with a lot of campaign elements and role-playing elements and stuff. So it's, it's super fun. It's super fun. That's so cool. Oh I mean, man, speaking... I missed that. What do you miss, Will? Just the whole, again, I haven't been involved in a campaign in quite a while now, so. What is a it, campaign? A campaign is like is a game. Yeah, oh, a it's the game. game itself. Yeah, the game. So from, of, from start of, to finish. Yeah, yeah, a series I of linked adventures. Yeah, yeah like yeah. Uh, like you I would read a fantasy it. novel, right? And you'd go from the beginning to the end, kind yes. of. Yeah, it's awesome. awesome. It's awesome. I always say it's 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 improv with consequence. Yeah, which precisely is my right. Favorite, my favorite thing. I love that yep. to death. Um, well, Trevor, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. That was uh, fun, you guys. That was so much fun. Was fun, <laughs> and uh, we're going to be inviting you back very soon uh, because we'd like you. Uh, well, we will. We'll get into that later. But we'll. We'll because we, the the contest is closed. We'll we'll, we'll talk. Um, but <laughs> we're going to uh, bug him. We're going to bug. We're going to we're going to bug you. Uh, but yeah. So uh, of course, it, Trevor. Right now, what are the projects? I know that we all know in the voiceover world, we're so used to hearing this. But what are the projects you can tell us about that people can hear you on right now? Oh boy! Well, I, the one that was most recently released, I think, was the Star Wars Summer Special, the Lego Star Wars Summer Special or Beach Special or something. It's where okay. all the characters go to this beach planet, and of course, Palpatine on the beach with Vader is a is a whole thing. But uh, of course, I get fan mail still. People writing me going, "Oh my god, you're the best 
part of that. I just love so much when I say, oh, oh you know the beach. So, okay, let's go. That's uh, awesome. So, yeah, that, that was the beat. But other than that, really, I, you know, everything else is sort of in, in process at the moment, but uh, it's it's my channel, me myself and die, which is the big thing that I've I've been devoting all my time to. And you know, I'm about to hit twenty thousand subscribers today, and that's Yay! What, yeah, without that's without any kind of advertising, so that's all right. Congratulations! Uh, it, it's a drop in the bucket compared to YouTube stuff, but for me, you know, one guy doing all this stuff that's yeah, that's pretty that's awesome. A lot of work. It's a anything lot of work. Uh, anything going on in your personal life that's kind of worth mentioning? Uh, <laughs> come on, come What's on. Happening? Well, there's a little wedding happening. Yes. It's, oh, it's yay. A, it's, Trevor's getting married yeah. is well, what's see, happening. Technically, it's already happened. We technically got married in April because, you know, she needed to get some uh, some health care. So I had to marry <laughs> <laughs> But so you're technically already married. We're technically married. This is this is the party. This is the this is the um, the ceremony such as it is. It'll be that'll be pretty quick. In San Antonio. <laughs> San Antonio, yes. Oh, it's, it's gonna old, be beautiful. It's old Spanish I can't wait. church called the Spire. Right we down can't down. wait. Sue and I cannot wait to go. It's gonna be so much fun. Wait, you're going? Oh my of course gosh. we're going. Of we course we're going. We of course we're going. So congratulations on that. Mazel. And everybody go check out me, myself, and die. I think uh for everybody out there, I think that twenty thousand, I think we can make that thirty thousand pretty quick. I think we should. That'd so everybody so cool. go and subscribe to me, myself, and die. Uh, because it is really, really cool. And talk about seeing just a showcase of talent when it comes to characters and voices and everything else that we love on this uh on this podcast. Uh it is really worth it. And then go check out you know, I think Guardians of the Galaxy is still on uh, Disney Plus. Rocket Raccoon is OK, but Star-Lord is phenomenal. Um, <laughs> then you got the Lego Star Wars stuff. Everything Lego Star Wars. F is for family. I think you can still see on Netflix. It's all yes. over the place. So there is so much stuff out there. Uh, Trevor, thank you so much for joining us. We really My appreciate pleasure. it. Thank you. Both. And uh, yeah, come back soon. We'll talk about that uh, in a bit. OK. All right. Thank you, everybody. And just don't ever forget, as we like to say, if you think you've got what it takes to be one of us, then step up to the microphone and put your voices where your mouth is. Thanks, everybody. I Hear Voices is hosted by Will Friedle and Christy Carlson Romano. Executive produced by Will Friedle, Brendan Rooney, Amy Sugarman, and Vicki Ernst Chang. Our executive in charge of production is Danielle Romo. Our producer is Lorraine Virawez, and our editor slash engineer is Brian Burton. And that uh, was my announcer voice. Some side effects of listening to I Hear Voices are sore abs from hilarity, falling down the cocoa melon rabbit hole, sneezing due to mass nostalgia, and hugs. Follow I Hear Voices wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of the amazing voices. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at I Hear Voices. Podcast. You can also check us out on MySpace, Omegle, Vine, LimeWire, AM, and Napster. Okay, well, let's teach you about the internet. The who? What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% 
10% off today. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.